I grew up in New York, unusually in love at a young age with the world of retail. My dad worked in the business, and while some kids asked for bedtime stories every night, I asked about the new accessory inventory and executive committee. I wanted to know how an exciting business worked, specifically a business where I'd seen a lot of dynamic women work hard, advance, and make a lot of change. As I grew up, my love of retail propelled me to a career at the middle of art and commerce. And today, I'm proud to say I'm the CEO of Gray New York. I'm surrounded by strong culture and stronger characters in the city I love, and I couldn't be happier. My name is Debbie Reiner. Celebrating the lives, work, and achievements of women around the world, The Drum presents Exceptional Women of the World, hosted by The Drum's America's editor, Doug Zanger. Let's go to three questions. You know what? I'm going to shift this question a little bit because we are in 2017, but I want us to move into 2018. So in 2018, what should we be talking about and why? I think we should be talking more about togetherness. Clearly, our country needs it. We're all feeling extremely isolated, fragmented as a society, but also I think in many ways technology has created a lot of parallel play for people. And I think it's a time we need to come together How can politics, technology, sociology bring us together? And I think there's a lot of what's happening in brands and social media is reflecting a desire for people to come together. And I think it's not enough of the conversation. Do you think do you think brands are being skittish right now? Because that's one thing. And and that's just my, you know, Mm -hmm. cheap seats. Yeah. It's like we're just trying things. And then it, it, it's one thing to experiment, but it's mm-hmm. another thing to kind of come at it from. It feels like it's coming. brands are coming from a defensive position as opposed to being in an offensive position. I think that's probably where it feels like to me. Well, I think it depends on the brand, right? I well, think, sure, yeah, absolutely. A lot of brands feel that they don't have the power right now and they lack confidence, right? So there is so much change in the world. There's so much change in marketing. And the brands that have the power have evolved you know, monumentally in the last few years. So I think what you used to see is a lot of brands that felt like they were leadership brands, they had some swagger, mm-hmm. now are lacking that swagger. And it shows up in the work, right? It shows up in the lack of commitment in what you know, you're know you referring to as skittishness, right. is I think insecurity. And yes, it's possible to test things and take some chances, but you're, ve- you're not seeing brands double down as much as I think you used to because there isn't that level of confidence. Fair point. Why do we overcomplicate our work? I think it's much easier to be complicated than to be simple, right? (laughs) (laughs) I think simplicity takes a lot of effort. Um, Simplicity Mm -hmm. exposes you. Making a simple statement is puts yourself much more on the line than burying it in a lot of complexity and phrases and clauses. You know, there is that great statement that is attributed to like 10 different people about, I'm sorry to write you a long letter, but I didn't have time to write you a short one, right? Right, right. And, And I think it does, it's that editing takes time and an effort and the desire and willingness to put yourself out there. Well, no, and I appreciate you when I was explaining my role. I just distilled it down into three very simple, short phrases. And that took me a long time to figure out. It does. Yeah. It does. It's much easier to be expository. Right. Well, those are billable hours, too. (laughs) (laughs) Not in this business. No, no, no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But how would you encourage people to think about getting more simple? Because... It is something that's obviously very learnable. Mm-hmm. What would you say to people who might be struggling with that? Because there's there's the identity crisis, mm-hmm. right? This industry, marketing industry, you know, you might have a weird title and you have to spend an hour explaining yeah. it. You know, there, there's sort of this conundrum yeah. of the industry. What advice would you give right. people to just simplify I, if they're struggling I think, with it? I, and I think everybody's struggling with it to some extent, especially right. now. I think if you go back to why you're here, mm. what's your purpose 
in your organization, and, and you can get really tight on that why question, you can probably distill it for yourself and for other people. Fair point. As opposed to, I think a lot of people spend a lot of time on what do I do here? What are all of the things I do here? Right. And that can take a really long time and candidly it can get really boring quickly. And then and then the work suffers. And then the work suffers and yeah. it becomes a laundry list. But if we could all sort of pull that up a little bit and focus on why we're here, right. I think you'd probably get to a much shorter answer. I like that. That was a long answer, by the way. Kidding. Sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> kidding. I, I would just like th- I gotta keep I, it tight. I would just like three word answers from here on out, please. <laughs> kidding. Why do we hold ourselves back? I think we're afraid of what we can accomplish a lot of the time. I think we hold ourselves back because the success can be a little bit scary. I think particularly for women, mm. we hold ourselves back because we just have, I think we have more self-doubt than men. Mm-hmm. I think that voice in our head of, am I as good as the, at this as I think I am? Am I as good as it is the person sitting next to me? Is probably a little bit louder. Mm-hmm. And I think we hold ourselves back because we have trouble quieting that voice down. I've seen improvement, but I hear you. And I think it's incumbent upon men, especially just to, to identify when that's happening. And I think in my own experience, you know, I always try to push everybody, but especially, you know, the, the women that I work with, it's just, no, you can, you can, and and you're so much better than you think you are. Totally. And I don't, I don't know, uh, again, gross stereotype here, but I don't know that many men that are so much better than they think they are, but I know no. a lot of women that feel that way. And I've, there's very few women that I would describe as overconfident. Yeah, no, that's that's a fair point. Advice to get over that barrier? How do you get through that, you think? I, how do you get over it? I think experience, <laughs> time. Time. Time and seeing, actually, that your instincts are right and that that your skills are really there Mm -hmm. and that you are every bit as good and potentially better as the person sitting next to you is, you know, experience can cure a lot of those things. I think if only you'd known all of those things at 25 that you know 20 years later. But it's important for us to tell those 25-year-olds that. And and remind them that the... um, you know, it's you. You can lose a lot of time questioning yourself right. and worrying about things that haven't happened yet that might happen. Right. And the other thing you'll learn over time, or I have, is the stuff that you're worried about and fixated on that that may not be right or you may not be good enough or never ultimately things you needed to be worrying about. Exactly. Let's go to the must list. What is a must do? I, you know, a must do. I think for all of us, you know, raise your hand mm-hmm. and hear your voice. So another, you know, another comment about things that take, take us all too long to do as we um, find our professional selves. There's a whole lot of, yes, absolutely. You have two ears, one mouth, listen more than you talk, but then talk, right? Right. Say, say your truth, speak your piece, get used to the sound of your professional voice, Mm -hmm. which I think as, as I hear younger people speak, the whole, the up speaking phenomenon is not over. Right. That vocal fry is still a thing. And <laughs> right. and, and I, I think that, you know, again, I, always, I say the same thing to my kids. It's like two ears, one mouth. You know, listen more than you talk, but then find your voice and use it. I'm a big fan, and this is something that I learned. I, I learned the power of it, and I wasn't aware of how powerful it is until somebody pointed it out to me, somebody who I deeply, deeply respect from Portland. The idea of restraint. Mm-hmm. Restraint's key, but but restraint shouldn't be confused for being shy. It's 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 a it's a mechanism to be able to form a much more powerful opinion or idea. And I think where it's restraint 
is a characteristic that good listeners have. Mm-hmm. So and it's learnable, by and the it's way. Learnable, like right? yeah, me, absolutely. you know, I'm half Italian. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> um, but I, I learned it. Yeah. So. Well, when you realize you you know you can get more out of listening than talking, you you learn it fast, right? Exactly. What's a must experience? You know, for me as a parent, a must experience has been traveling. Mm-hmm. with kids and not necessarily to you know all-inclusive resort destinations but really nothing wrong with those although those are great and right. swim i i don't having gone the to legoland earlier this summer oh really yes and swim Incredible. up bars are amazing things with, that's a thing with, with, with yeah. kids yeah. yeah and the ability for them to swim up sure. and, and have virgin coladas for a week is, yes is, yes can oh, they, be a great va- they vacation. Love that. Yeah. but i also think for me traveling with them going outside their comfort zone mm-hmm. and my comfort zone mm-hmm. um and experiencing the world with them is what it's all about right? mm-hmm. so my younger son is it's funny you talked about working for a japanese bank he <laughs> yeah he is obsessed with japanese culture and he spent the last couple of summers in japan and we all really yeah, we all went this summer with him and sort of seeing your kid exactly <laughs> he was mortified anytime i tried to say anything that's at all. that's awesome <laughs> But, what, did, what, did you throw the New York accent out? It's like, well, Konnichiwa. Hajime Mashite, Debbie Dash. Hello. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. No, I didn't, I didn't even get that far. Okay. All but, right, good. Um, wise child. Yeah, wise no. child. I, I didn't, yeah, exactly. I didn't want to mortify him. He's 16. I mean, I'm That's embarrassing awesome. enough with not even saying anything. That's awesome. That's amazing. That's amazing. But, I, I but did, what an experience yeah, it's, for you because you're seeing it through his eyes. Absolutely. It's kind of like when we come to New York. It's I, I come here a million times, but when right. it's through the eyes of a child. But especially what's different here is that your child's leading you. That was a pretty awesome experience. Just, you know, again, raising them to be comfortable in other cultures, to be open to the way that other people live, and then seeing them at home in those places totally. is sort of, you know, what you want to do as a parent. It's amazing. What's a must read? You know, I, I thought about this in terms of oh, favorite I like books, your answer. I like but your answer I will tell you just must read. What, N- one Nick, that, nickname of my daughter, by the way. Oh, come on, really? One of her millions of nicknames. Oh, well. Go ahead. I'm go sure ahead. she's a wise yeah. child. So, one that I think was personally and professionally rewarding was um, Tina Fey Bossy Pants. There you go. Because <laughs> I, I think she's brilliant. I think, you know, we talked a lot about advice for women. Mm-hmm. I think there are so many truths in that book from really profound things around how you want to live your life and you know raise your kids and mm-hmm. and pursue your career to the most mundane things like you know wear a bra you'll never be sorry <laughs> you did i mean <laughs> it's just that it's she's the so whole great. gamut and she's yeah. she's smart and and insightful and funny and i think so much so many of the characteristics that that she brings to the work that she does or the, the kinds of things that that I think we all need to show up with more. Bonus points, she's from Philadelphia area. So, oh, is she really? Yeah. I didn't know that. You didn't know that? She went to University of Virginia. I did know she went to this University is now, of Virginia. This is now turning into the Tina Fey <laughs> appreciation <laughs> it could be, We hour. could go on. Right. And I love the fact that she actually did her Philly accent on SNL yeah. once. So, yeah. And perfect role model for your daughter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's awesome. <laughs> uh, what's a must learn? A must learn for me has been to always surround myself from people I'm learning from, right? So Mm -hmm. I think the first kind of 20 years in this business is you're kind of taking it all in and you're learning everything and you're sort of... The metaphysical onboarding. You're exactly, the the metaphysical existential onboarding of your life and your professional self, right? Um, And then you kind of think it's like, well, you know, then I'm gonna share that with everybody else. And that's not really how it works. Right. right. So right. I, I think the, the truth of the last several years for me is find people and connect yourself with people that you learn from every single day. 
and you're never that's part is never done so forget that whole thing of like the first 20 years of your job is really right. about learning and then you're really you know training and sharing and leading mm-hmm. It's just you're learning all the time. It's one thing to say it, but it's one thing to put it into practice. How do you put it into practice? Because because we hear it a lot. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like I learn from everybody every day, and it's like yeah, but it's I like do, you cool, but but, the truth but is you how don't, you don't learn from everybody every day. No, you know right? what I mean. You yeah. find that was very vague and I know, broad. But yeah. you, I mean, I think it is a question of finding people that push you. Who's somebody that you found here recently? So I mean, there are some people that I've been working with for a really long time, and some new people, right? Right. So Alice Erickson, right? Right. My She's been my partner on the beauty business for 20 years. From Portland. Um, from Portland. God exactly. Bless. From the great city of Portland. Right. And Alice will always call me on my bullshit, mm-hmm. always push everybody in the room to challenge whether they're speaking the truth and whether the work is good enough, and does it with a, a ton of fun and flair and. Um, and irreverence that that's constantly, the Portland thing coming out. Exactly, that's the Portland side of her. Right. But it, it constantly it keeps you engaged. It keeps you on your toes, and right. it, it keeps you from you know believing your own bullshit, right? Right. So I th- some of that is like those relationships that keep pushing you because they know you so well and they can call you on your shit, right? Mm-hmm. Then you know there's new people you got to bring in. So you know John Petrullis is one we brought in as the global CCO. He just started in August, mm-hmm. and. We talked to a lot of people to find the right person for that job. And the thing I loved about John is, and I don't know if you know him at all. Do you have no, heard of John? Mm-mm. No. He is incredibly smart, incredibly incisive. People will describe him as the nicest guy in advertising. But the whole while he's being nice, he's is absolutely, you know, calling you on what the issues are, mm-hmm. pushing you to be clearer and more incisive in the nicest possible way. And that is... You know, I said to him, like, you've been in this business for 25 years. You've had an, an amazing success. And people, that comes at a price. Right. And that can often a great point. mean, you know, not everybody loves you. But somehow you're doing that in a way that people still refer to you as the nicest guy in advertising. I need to learn how you did that. Right. right. <laughs> so I think it, it's the, the, the people that know you, the people that you bring in, that you, you say, God, I got I to gotta figure that out. How did he do that? What's a question you've never been asked before that you'd love someone to ask you and what would the answer be? People haven't really asked about what I would like my legacy to be. When we get to um, a certain point in our careers, you're yeah. 20 plus, I'm 20 plus. I know. You start thinking Yeah, we're just things. sticking with plus. That's what I always say. It's like I'm, I've, at a, at a certain plus, point. Five, I've been five plus years. <laughs> right, right. So what do, you, what do you think that legacy will be? What do you want it to be? Yeah, well, you know, it's, for me, I've, I've had, the unusual thing about my career is that I have invested it in a single organization, right? Which is amazing Which is in and of, of itself. Which is sort of a freak right. agency fact, You and Val right? Fibo, right? Yeah, very, there are very few of us that, right. have, that can honestly say their 20-plus career has really been spent developing a place right. and, and, and really sort of that place so closely mirroring your, your life and totally. your own professional and personal development. Right, right. right. Um, so, you know, I do see my legacy very much linked to this particular agency and making sure that the what we have achieved here in terms of really applying creativity to business problems, making it a creative powerhouse, an amazing place to work because it's, in, it's a really open culture that brings a lot of different kinds of people together to unleash the power of creativity for clients. That my, I see my legacy very much invested in this, how Gray continues to thrive in the future, how we, in an industry that has all kinds of challenges let's face it i mean and honestly every agency every you know there's ebbs and flows yeah Mm -hmm. and you know 
what was it like six years ago? It was like McGarry Bowen decade, yeah. and then it was Crispin mm-hmm. decade. But you guys have been fairly consistent. It we feels have. like we have. Well, you know, it's funny. It's this is our hundredth anniversary. Right? Oh my god, I forgot about yeah. that. So the agency turns a hundred this year. What a good editor I am. I should know yeah. these things. <laughs> Jesus. You, you may have noticed famously effective since 1917. Uh, math is right? not in my strong suit. <laughs> that's a nice even number. Right. And that's a, a pretty a miraculous thing for an yeah. agency to be thriving for a hundred years. And it's been, you know, many different agencies in that time. Right. But I think for the last 10 years, we really have been focused on, you know, how can a big agency be a great creative agency? Mm-hmm. And how do we create a culture that embraces that and where our size is really becomes a powerful and dynamic thing and that's a legacy that I would love to sort of build that for this for the next 20 years for this place every guest on the show gets a chance to talk about whatever they want for a minute or two okay so without further ado floor is yours you know one of the topics that we've talked a lot here that we think are really important in terms of, again, you know, we talk about the next 20 years in this industry and what's going to make it great. I think so much of the legacy of the advertising business is people went into it because they felt it was fun. And maybe it's because they watched Melrose Place or, maybe, or Bewitched or they they had some artificial construct that made them think, God, that looks like it'd be more fun than banking. But for me, it is more fun than banking, and we need to continue to celebrate that this business is the most fun business that you can be in. And not just because it attracts talent, because I think it does, but also because it's it's good for productivity. I mean, if people are having a good time at work, they are certainly more productive. It's been quantified. It's essential for handling difficult situations. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I personally have been in challenging client meetings or internal meetings where you can really know, lubricate the whole situation with a little bit of fun and levity. And and I think it's going to be critical to keeping this industry viable for the next 20 years because, you know, it's not banking. It's not hedge funds. It's not tech where they're going to be the get rich quick schemes. People are going to have to do this because they think that there is fun to be had here. And I think we have to celebrate that more. We wrap up the show with one last piece of advice or wisdom. What would be your final word? My advice is to, you know, recognize the the evolution of the challenges that you face and the choices that you're making and know that what feels like an absolute fork in the road or a divide today is just a choice that you're making for the moment right now. And a year from now, it'll be a different choice. And a year after that, it'll be a different choice. I think a lot of us get, especially, again, as women, as we seek to figure out this sort of balance between our careers and our lives, we think we are making these definitive forever choices about how we're going to make this work. And none of these choices are forever, right? They're for right now. And know, you know, look at the choices, make the right choice for you right now, and know that you can make another choice later when your needs change. And I think it, it opens you up a lot more and it frees you and it makes all of this a little bit less scary because it doesn't have to be, de- none of this is definitive or permanent. We're all a work in progress and just acknowledge that and make the choices for now, not the, t- the choices that will have to be for always. It takes uh, a lot of pressure off of those choices. <laughs> amen to that. Amen to that. Uh, on the mensch scale, you, you hit a 10. So yeah. That's, <laughs> I didn't it, know there it, was a mensch scale. No, I just made that up. Uh, no, but honestly, seriously, very much enjoyed the conversation today. It was today. a lot of I enjoyed fun. the insight, and thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs>